Good morning. Bought a Honda. I should have bought a Hyundai. Bought a Honda. Should have bought a Hyundai. Y'all try that with your kids. Uh, all the ch kiddos in the room to, uh, today are going to go home and try that. That's not Arabic. It's just uh, trying to wake, wake us up. Good morning. Genesis chapter 3 this morning is where we're at. What we believe about man. What we believe about man. We're trying to finish up this series we've had together, We Believe. And today is one of the very important doctrines of the Christian faith. What we believe as believers about man. It's very important. And we'll get to that in a second. But I'd like to ask everyone today, before we get started, do you ever wonder, uh, do you ever think, man, there has to be more to life? Do you ever think that? When life gets hard, when life gets difficult, do you ever think, man, is this all there is? Do you ever feel like, God, maybe does my family have any greater purpose? Or do you ever think, God, do you have something greater do you have a greater purpose for our church? I want to remind everyone today, before we get started into this holy text, and before we get talking about what we believe about man, I want us just to try to take a moment out of the week just to slow down. And to realize that the Lord God Almighty, He is sovereign, He is holy, He is still on the throne, He knows what He's doing. But what if today, what if the greatest impact for your life has nothing to do with you? What if the greatest impact, the greatest fruit, will not even come from you or what God's doing now, but down the road? What if the Lord does something greater in your kids' lives than your life? Are you okay with that? What if, let's go even further back, what if the fruit, from the Revolutionary War, you know the one with George Washington where he rallied the troops? What if the fruit from that war and the Civil War and World War I and II and all in between, what if the fruit for, for all of those people dying, the sacrifice, what if the fruit for all of that, the majority of it has yet to be seen on this earth? Now, it's easy to start thinking about uh, what we see and know. And, and America has been a stabilizing force in the world. And America has helped export a billion ton of, tons of food and, and, and the health epidemics in Africa and how our country has helped reach so many and helped so many people. But what if the greatest impact for the kingdom has yet to come? Just throwing it out there. Maybe not. Maybe the Lord's finished with our country. You may say this morning, Pastor, our country has lost its mind. No one loves God. And I would say, yes, our country has lost its ever-loving mind. But friend, let me tell you something. One day Elijah was feeling sorry for himself. Listening to talk radio way too long. Listening to the voice of the enemy way too long. And he cried out to the Lord, I'm all alone. And friend, you know what the Lord told him? 
I have 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed to Baal, and every one of their mouths have not kissed him. Romans chapter 11, verse 5 says, So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Friend, do you know that in America today, churches are filled with people this very moment singing and praising the Lord God Almighty? Millions. Do you know that this morning there are men of God in every major U.S. city proclaiming the gospel that Jesus saves? There's people in New York City right now praising the Lord. Friend, things are not in dire straits as it seems to be. Look up to Jesus. He is at work. Do not doubt it. The question is this morning, are you on the same page as the Lord? That's the question. So before we just run into the text and, and, and go through a sermon and let it just be a routine thing, we need to check ourselves this morning and say, Lord, am I on the same page as you are? Lord, I don't want to get left behind. If you're at work in my family or in the workplace or in my church, God, I want to make sure that I'm right in the action. That's the question. Are you on the same page as the Lord this morning? Or are you doing your own thing? It's a valid question. God's at work. Are we? Now, what we believe about man. There's three truths I'd like to share this morning. What we believe about man. Really, three statements. Three statements of faith. Number one is, if you're taking notes, we believe man is created male and female in the image of God. Number one, we believe man is created male and female in the image of God. Before we get to Genesis 3, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says that on the sixth day, the Lord said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea. All the fishermen in the house said, Amen. And over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So the Bible says that God created man and woman in His image. And it was a really good thing. Genesis 1.27 says that male and female, He created them. So gender, we see the difference of gender here, and it's a very good thing. It's for His glory. It's, it makes sense. God has wired men and women uh, differently, and praise God for that. Praise God for that. John Piper shares a story of a young man and lady that met in the church service, and, and uh, he kind of liked her a little bit and heard she loved the Lord, and so he said, hey, can I sit with you in church? So they sat through the worship service together and uh, they were able to watch how each other praised the Lord. And so after the service was over, the young man said, hey, would you like to go out to lunch? And the young lady, well, she liked that. And so she said, well, absolutely, let's go. So they walked down the road and they, they grabbed lunch together. And she, as she's walking, she said, you should know that I have a black belt in karate. And so uh, all of a sudden, as they're walking to the restaurant, these gentlemen jumped them and Immediately, the man grabbed the girl and put her behind him and said, "Over." basically they said, we want to take the girl. And he said, over my dead body. And he began to defend the lady. Well, 
The rest of the story is that the man got knocked out, knocked out unconscious. And the captors were going to take the girl, but she defeated all three of them. She beat them up. And then they went to eat lunch, and they were, they were okay. But the lady knew that day that she wanted to marry this man. Why? Because he was a better fighter than her? Obviously not. That was not, you know, she could hold her own. But the point is that there's something innate inside of a man. That initiation, hey, do you want to go eat lunch? And there's something pleasant about a lady being able to discern and receive that. And then there's something in the instinct of that man that said, I need to defend her, even though she was more capable of defending herself than he was. There's something romantic about it. So God has created, it's probably a terrible illustration, but God has created men and women very differently. And it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's for His glory and our good. And today, that's going to be confused in our culture. But here at this church, we will stand on God's Word. That the Lord has created men and women, male and female, differently for His glory. So Genesis chapter 3. Let's see what happens. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Lie number one. Verse two, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it. Neither shall you touch it. Lie number two lest you die. Verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Lie number 3. You see, the enemy's a liar. He's a deceiver. He tries to trick people. And so you know the rest of the story. Basically, verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Verse 5, But God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took it of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, most religions, most People on the planet believe that mankind is inherently good. Now, are there great qualities to mankind, men and women, that are natural? Absolutely. Grandparents, it is the image of God that makes you just adore your grandchildren. It's the image of God that just makes you find so much pleasure and joy in them. But it's the fall of mankind that makes you wish they go back to their own house. You're awake. It's the image of God that's very good and it's natural and God given. There's things that sometimes just come out of people, just greatness, right? But we cannot deny this morning that mankind has fallen. There is they are inclined towards self-centeredness, towards evil. And we see that at the fall. But notice what the Lord does. Do you think He just said, okay, this was a bad idea, let me start over? 
No, look what he did. See the Lord, how he pursues his people, his creation. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? This morning, the Lord is here in this house and He's saying, where are you? He's pursuing somebody. He's wanting to restore somebody somewhere this morning. And then the wheels begin to turn. The Lord knew from all eternity past that this would happen. And it makes us wonder, well, why did He, operate, why did he do this and why did He do that if He already knew? Maybe he'll explain that one day in heaven. But the good news is, is that even from this time, he began to put a plan in motion for himself to come to this earth. For him to send his one and only son to rescue us. Jesus did not come to make people good. He came to bring dead people to life. That's what this morning is about. And so the image of God is a good thing. But it's the, it's the image of God caused the greatest generation to stand up to Hitler and his army. But it was the fall of mankind that caused Hitler and his army. Man is a special creation. So because of the image of God, that is why we should value life. We should value life from the womb to the tomb. We should value life. Uh, we should fight for injustice. We should fight and try to eradicate slavery on this planet. The greatest tragedy, I believe, in America is abortion. The fact that people today, it is legal to take a life. That's the one that may do us in as a country. But, how awesome would it be if 10 years from now, Everybody just kind of wakes up and decides, you know what? That wasn't even close. That wasn't even gray. The Holocaust happened, and for years no one did anything about it, or they may have tried. But then now we look back at the Holocaust and we think, wow, like who, who let this happen? Wouldn't that be awesome if we look back at this day and say, wow, that was, that was terrible, but now it's not happening? It's possible. It's possible. It would take the Lord to open many eyes. Number two, the truth we believe about man. And this is the foundational doctrine this morning that we want to share and to think about and to wrestle with. We believe in the total depravity of man. We believe in the total depravity of man. This is the most attacked doctrine in the Christian church today. Why? Because no one likes being told that they are selfish. No one likes being told that they are evil. No one likes being told that they could care less about the Lord. This doctrine, it confronts us. Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, please go to Ephesians chapter 2. It's in the New Testament. After 2 Corinthians, you'll see Galatians, Ephesians. 
Ephesians chapter 2. The idea that that man is dead, blind, and hopeless apart from the gospel is very offensive. Isn't it? It's very offensive in your workplace, on on television. That man is dead, blind, and hopeless apart from the gospel. Does that hurt your pride? Yes. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to Paul write to this church. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you were once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, to the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Here's the gospel. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him and created us and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see the Gospel? By grace you have been saved. Verse 5 says, When we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. Who made us alive? Your own Southern Baptist tradition? No. Your own effort to become like Jesus? No. Because the way that you were raised? No, but it certainly can help. At the end of the day, it's only the Lord. It's the initiating supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that brings us from death to life. Amen? It's the Lord. It's only Him. We cannot take credit for any of it. Romans chapter 3. Please go to the left in your Bible. Romans chapter 3. So we have inherited death from Adam. We're infected. We're sinners by nature. Romans chapter 3. By birth, we were born into sin. There is no hope for us apart from the gospel. That's what this morning we need to get in our head and in our heart. That People can't just float through life being good people. That's not it. You can be a good person and split hell wide open. There has to be a life, there has to be a life change. There has to be a covering. There has to be something paying for your sins. There has to be justification. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Paul is trying to get this across. He says, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside and together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
friend, do you see that none are righteous? Fallen sinners hate God. Think about it. Before you came to know Christ, did you really care what God was doing in the world? I mean, sure, you may feel sorry for sin some days, and you may be upset. But at the end of the day, apart from Christ, it's your nature to rebel and to reject God. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is wicked and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so salvation is a miracle. It is a miracle that we should not reduce. The Lord brings dead people back to life. A sinner cannot save themselves. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. Who made alive? God. He made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Are you convinced? Salvation has nothing to do with you or me. It's the Lord initiating. Now we do have to respond. We do. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what's going to be difficult to explain to your grandchildren. But no one births themselves. Nicodemus told the Lord, how can I be born again? Jesus said, you must, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot be saved. Nicodemus was confused. He said, how can I enter into the womb again? How's that going to work? The Lord Jesus was speaking spiritually. He was letting Nicodemus know that there's nothing that he can do on his own effort or strength or religious effort to be saved. Salvation is a divine work. Dead people cannot give themselves life. We have some medical personnel in the house this morning. And you, how many times, for those of you in the medical profession, you've come upon people that if you would have not have got involved, if you would have not began to help them, they would have probably passed away. Right? Many times, if there would not have been no one to intervene. And that's what salvation is. It's the Lord intervening into our life. So this morning, if the Son shall make you free, you are free indeed. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. This morning, what do you believe about man? If you watch the news, it's always someone else's fault. The Las Vegas shooting that happened, the tragedy that happened a few weeks ago. Why was the news media so upset? Because they didn't know who to blame. They didn't know who to blame. And friend, the cause of that shooting was because of Satan. It was evil. And because of fallen mankind. The gentleman that in his 
writings, they found out that he was an avid gambler. He wanted to live the Vegas lifestyle. Sometimes gambling up to a million dollars in one day. You see, we're born separated from God. Our eyes are darkened and blind. And sin can take us over to a point to where there's no return. So I believe that sin was the cause of the Vegas shooting. That's what sin does to us. It can happen to any of us. It grabs you by the throat, takes you down. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 says, For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. We believe in the depravity of man. Do you? Because if you believe that man is inherently good, then why are we here? We have no purpose. We have no mission. The Great Commission is void. The last truth this morning, number three. This is the good news. We believe man can be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ and have life in His name. Genesis chapter... I'm sorry. Number three. If you're taking notes this morning, we believe man can be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ and have life in His name. Do you believe that this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you thought, you know, it's been a hard week and I'm coming to church and I'm going to atone for my guilt a little bit by going to church and then I'm going to go eat lunch and then I'm going to go carry on my day and my life's going to be better for it. Maybe that's you this morning and the Lord wants to let you know that you're lost. That you need Him to save you. And so the good news this morning is that if you recognize that you're lost, before you can become saved, before the supernatural work in your heart, God has to soften your heart to help you see that you have a need of a Savior. You have to be lost before you can be saved. The good news for your life this morning, if you're recognizing that today, you are separated from God. The good news is this, from Isaiah chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or His ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. So the good news is that He can intervene. The bad news is that your sin is separating you from God. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. You believe that this morning? At the end of the book of John, Jesus, uh, John records that Jesus performed all these miracles that, that aren't even in the Bible. That There's many more. That they're, they're too numerous to even count. John chapter 20, verse 30. John writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Do you know Jesus this morning? If so, praise God. 
You're set free. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Are you resting in that this morning? That if you know Christ, that your debt has been canceled? That your life is no longer measured by good works and bad works? That you're set free? That your identity is a redeemed, adopted son of God, woman of God, daughter of God? That's good news. But because of the belief that we have in the depravity of man, we should be challenged to realize that everyone in our street, unless they repent and put their faith in Jesus, they are separated from God and they will face the judgment and wrath of God Almighty. It's not popular. That's why you don't hear people talk about this. And at the end of the day, you don't have to believe any of this, but you, you need to decide what you believe. The Bible teaches in the total depravity of man. Some people will read parts of the Bible and say that's not true. That man is inherently good. Friend, it's an important doctrine. What do you believe this morning? This is what we believe about man. This morning, maybe you're here. Maybe you're here and you realize, I think I'm lost and I think I want to be saved. Friend, you can do that today. No matter your age, no matter your background, no matter how many people in this room knows you, it does not matter. At the end of the day, it only matters what the Lord knows. And the reality is God loves you more than you love you. He loves you more than your mom or your dad loves you. He loves you more than your spouse loves you. He knows how many hairs are on your head, or if you're like me, how many hairs fell out of your head this week. He knows your steps before you take them. He's pursuing you, just how He came after Adam and Eve. He's after you, friend, because He loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. I had a sweet lady tell me this week on Main Street. I was trying to encourage her and she said, you're a pastor? Oh no, I need a pastor. I said, well, we've got a few of them at our church. And then she began to voice her disappointment in the Lord and how she had been hurt and broken. And I just began to encourage her. Good thing for you, the Lord binds up the brokenhearted. He can change your situation. She just began to spew doubt and hurt. And she was so mad at God. And she didn't believe that God had done anything for her. Friend, maybe that's you this morning. And you may think, what has God done for me? And friend, I would tell you, that while you were yet a sinner, even while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for you. He loves you. He proved it on a cross. 